For this episode, we're talking to Catherine Baum, the founder of Company Drinks. And joining Catherine, we've also got Sean Tuck, who heads up Company's Grow Club. Company is a community enterprise that links the history of East London families going picking fruit and hops to the constitution of a new business. They produce syrups, sodas, ciders, big breath, and beers sold to establish an enterprise based on the principles of community economy and sustain a vast program of cultural activities such as workshops, events, and study days about alternative economies. We were introduced to Catherine in 2014 by Evan from The Colonel after Catherine paid a visit to them in search of a brewery to make beer for company. She was also looking for someone to make fizzy pop for the project and Evan, of course, recommended us. So now I'm pleased to say we make company sodas for them every year, including a Barking and Dagenham Cola and last year's special, a Strawbiscus Soda. So, Catherine, how did the idea for company come about? Um, first of all, to say I'm really glad you remembered. How did we meet? Was it Evan introducing us or the other way around? How did the idea come about? I'm based in London. Um, it's my hometown. I, I'm an artist. I like to make spaces where we make things together. So the idea for making a drinks company seemed like a really good starting point to say let's go picking let's make drinks and let's connect again and become a company that's maybe different from other drinks company so i i started off joining one of the picking trips and really enjoyed that aspect of picking together being out in nature being in my local area um and then i originally got involved in the gardening so like i was the community gardener there and then ever so slowly just started to kind of do a few cordial batches and then it just rolled on from there until I ended up taking over most of the drinks <laughs> pro juicer pro juicer <laughs> that should be all of our job titles I think that's it pro juicer right here <laughs> <laughs> and how has company changed over time since you first started it to now I guess uh, but it's more organized now <laughs> because after nine years you you become an organization. You know we are both a, we are we are social enterprise, but we are also mainly a community organization. So in the beginning it was obscure, <laughs> to say the least. You know to like turn up in Barking and Dagenham with a very Scottish accent <laughs> and say, oh, let's go picking because there's a history in the borough about picking, and it's a bit like <laughs> why. And yeah, the first year was like, it was a promise of like, oh, let's go picking and make drinks and become this other type of company. And then I think it was in the first October. So we started in March 2014, 1st October. We suddenly had a drinks range of like a beer, eight cordials, four sodas. And suddenly you could see what, 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 what it could become, you know. It was like, okay, we actually can pick stuff here and we can turn it into drinks and we can have those drinks and we can drink them and trade them. So that's how it started with this very kind of like, not business idea, but this cultural proposition of making drinks together. And yeah, so almost 10 years later, we still exist, which I count as a success. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're obviously not living from trading drinks because we have too many ethics attached to our trade that doesn't allow us to make enough profit. But we exist as a very kind of mixed social enterprise where we just make really good use of what's around us. Money, nature, people, ideas, and we survive like that. But we are more organized because we now have all the policies we have to have. And 
We also really want to look about. We really want to look um, after company drinks as an organization where people work. And like yesterday, we had a really good works meeting of like what was it called? Like how to reduce stress in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, it was like um, well being. Thanks. Which you probably can share those. <laughs> and you know, like self care. So I think we've calmed down in the last three years to just become a calmer organization, but quite certain about what we want to achieve. Nice. And tell us a bit about the picking trips. So how, how do you choose where to go? Where have you been? What kind of things do you look to get from them? Um, so we try and go local as, as much as possible. And that's um, partly me just wrecking like different areas and going to the parks and seeing what I can see and find or meeting people that have lived in the area for, for a long time and then kind of give recommendations that like there's loads of this growing over there. So yeah, I think it's mixed between like us checking it out and then people recommending the spaces. And yeah, I think probably three or four of the cordials are local and then there's like two or three that we kind of go out of London, mm. out into Kent. And that's usually things like strawberries that don't grow naturally locally. <laughs> um, just kind of in the barking parks, just kind of casually winding around. Yeah, I mean, in our grow club garden, there is a hell of a lot of strawberries there now. <laughs> Thanks to Squirrel. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But I think also, that's why we never fully commercialised. So we can, if someone has an idea of where we could go picking, we can just go like, yeah, of course, <laughs> we can pick those five five cherries on the tree, you know. <laughs> because Company Bricks is about also just recognizing together what grows in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, never, it's not always about volume and can we turn it into 10,000 liters of drink, <laughs> but it's more about what do we see and recognize and is it accessible? Can we go there? And there's some good stories. Like one story is like, oh, my son has a farm in Essex and he has a vineyard which he's going to take down and we can have all the grapes, you know? And then of course we go picking there. Or other stories are like friends from Slovenia who are like, oh, strawberry, uh, not, uh, Japanese knotweed has a really good um, yeah. flavor. We're like, oh, yeah. let's find, let's find um, Japanese knotweed in Barking and Dagenham. So we would make a, but you made the soda for us. That was quite, and I was going to ask you about that because I think that was, it, it was, was, it was so such good. a pleasure to be able to go like, Right, there's this thing that's considered a noxious weed, yeah. and we can actually go clear it. Obviously, you had to pick a safe location for yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like finding that thing and then being like, it actually does have a rhubarb flavor. It kind of looks like rhubarb as yeah, well yeah, a bit. Yeah. But the a... drama around it was like because we announced it on the website, we're gonna go <laughs> and we got phone calls going like, you're aware of the fact that there's a five-year prison sentence and a ten thousand pound fine <laughs> for spreading. We're like, yes, we are aware of that, but we can still make a drink from it. Um, so, that, but that's that's why we're not fully commercialized. Just to have the freedom to, if somebody knows something, we can go and just pick it, mm. no yeah. matter how much it is or how taste taste it will be. But just like recognize that things grow in our neighborhood yeah. and then it's almost getting the people together you know the whole point of kind of people yeah. picking together and that kind of making memories and learning things about their local area that they didn't know as well so it's kind of like the social aspect of having a drink and a bit of cake at the end of the day and yeah. yeah that's really nice yeah I I also have like a really good memory of coming on one of the picking trips. I came on one of the blackcurrant foraging trips. It was really fun. I would say that I have so much respect now for people who have to pick fruit commercially because 
Black currants don't grow very far from the ground. And yes, people have machines where they can send them through fields and pick them, but it leaves so many behind. Yeah. And that's where we went. They were gleaning. Yeah, to go and pick those. But they also attract thousands of earwigs. <laughs> it was. Okay. It honestly was. So you're also like battling the earwigs to get the berries off the bush. And I ended up not coming back from that trip on the coach with everybody else. I came in a car with a journalist that was following us to write an article about it with all the fruit in the boot. And when we got back to the soda works and opened the boot, literally a hundred oh, earwigs <laughs> ran for it out of there. We're released into yeah, East London. Yeah, yeah, that's why it is a vegan drink because they, well, they, they escaped, so yeah. I, I hope Big Black Current, we obviously can't name the brand, but I hope they've got some sort of earwig sorting machine yeah. before the pressing part otherwise there's questions yeah, well, to be asked is, yeah. not, <laughs> not, let's not mention the brand no. <laughs> but cleaning trips are fun I mean those trips are amazing because it's yeah. obviously farms who grow for this big brand yeah. that does black current drinks in Britain um, and there's so much left yeah unbelievable mm. we got so much and it was oh, what there were about 20 of us going yeah. through the fields and we got kilos and kilos yeah, yeah. still and it wasn't hard like you weren't like looking underneath a stone no, to try no, and find the fruit so it's just so left. much yeah. it was really sad last year actually that because of the weather mm. all the black currants cooked on the bush yeah so yeah they yeah. didn't actually collect any of them um the week before we was meant to go and they called up and said there's no black currants I'm oh sorry. that has changed when you're asking about change i mean climate change is hitting I yeah mean, you know that like things mm. really are not the same as they were 10 years well, what was it like setting up um, in Barking? Because obviously you've got a premises in Barking Pavilion. Yeah, that's another um, thing that's changed. Yeah, what was, what was that like? So we started nomadic. We didn't have a base, mm. which we felt in the beginning was easier. Like of saying, oh, here we are, come to us. We were very mobile, very flexible, just going to different groups who wanted to come picking and go to different places. And then we got offered this very beautiful outdoor bowling pavilion with its grounds. And, I mean, we just feel very lucky, you know. We have a headquarters in the mm. park next to a river, next to a lake. Very calm location. But also that gave us space to become more of a community space. Because we have a nice big club room. We have a production and training kitchen. We have storage. You talk about the garden. Yeah, so we've got... We started to set up the community garden there, so we've got access of, like, growing herbs and kind of flowers within the garden there. And it's also kind of gated as well, so, like, it's fenced and gated. So um, since kind of over the last few years, we've been progressing on more community-based events and not just drinks-based. So, obviously... Sorry, can we just get that again about the garden? to have lost your yet? Yeah? Um, okay. Can I see your box? Maybe? I think it... Yeah, it's just... Sorry, yeah. Sometimes these are temperamental. If you don't, do you mind just leaving it there? Is that sure, right? yeah. Have you got it back now? That's... Yeah, it's uh, crackling a lot is when it you back? move it. Is it back now? Okay. Just a uh, test for me. Just okay. Hello, hello. And I'm Thank actually going to turn that around. Sorry, come in. That's all right. There you go. Cool. Is that How's right? that? Is that... Can you hear me? Yeah, that's all good. Just cool. move around as well. <laughs> yeah, if you move, it will it it tends to crackle, but otherwise I can hear you fine. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to keep it still as possible. Here's statue. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, cool. Um, 
Yeah, if there's any more problems, we just swap that mic. Okay, I'm totally cool. lost the train of thought now. Yeah, so we were talking about the Grow Club Garden um, and kind of we set that up for local people um, to come and learn how to connect in with their own well-being and, and grow herbs and flowers to make tea. So that kind of did include the drinks, but also kind of the well-being aspect didn't. And then we've also got the kind of heritage um, groups that join us um, and run weekly and monthly sessions um, and now we've got a whole lot of key holders sessions so like a group of people that have keys to the building and they all run different community events in their own way so like arts events and community events and mm. things like that so kind of that's another change from like just the drink side of things to kind of opening the space up and sharing with community. It's really cool that you can have key holders and then have those people come in and run events without you guys necessarily having to be involved. So it's almost like a project that is running away from you. I think it's also the idea of, you know, what are the resources that we have? So, of course, we can go and pick blackberries. Yeah. But also now we have the pavilion, so how can we share this? You know, like, how is there something that we can not pick together but use together? Yeah. Mm. And because because we are a cultural organisation, we have... We don't pay much rent, so it's also really like how can we share what we have yeah. um, with with everybody who comes for the picking trips. It's beautiful. You should you should come. No, it's a very special site. No, it's very calm. Yeah. It's an incredibly calm place. We have a duck family. Many natural families. We have human and non-human participants. Yeah, many squirrels and cats and foxes and birds and yeah. All the London wildlife. They all visit. Nice. And tell us about the the company set of values. We've like mentioned a little bit, but I think we're really good to to talk about them. Well, I can start. I think it was, but we have a lot of freedom because we're not producing for shelves on in supermarkets, so we can use the drinks to do many different things. So, yeah, we make those cups, which you can't see, but they're standing in front of us, <laughs> where we kind of put messages on the cup. So it's about yeah. the values of the organization. And then I think then one year, we just realized, yeah, of course, you always put your nutritional values on because you have to. Yeah. And then it was the, it was the year of Black Lives Matter where we felt, well, we really want to be clear about our organizational values. And then we, we just used the labels. So the drink is not just the drink. The drink also carries values. So and you, you, we use the drinks. And we said we want the, our code of conduct in a way that when we have a meeting, we can instead of going like, oh, that's the list, read that. Just in a casual way say, look, here are the nutritional values. Those are the organizational values. You agree to this? Then if not, you might want to leave. <laughs> it's almost like a price of kind of being at our events and, and yeah. kind of consuming the drinks that like we ask that you um, feed into the values that we believe as well. Yeah. And they've been written together and they're getting um, reissued every year together. Nice. We see if they work and if they work for everyone, if the language is clear enough. And then, But yeah, it was fun to like, you have the nutritional and the organisational values on your label. Yeah, and do you remember what the values are? Do we have one? I don't know. I haven't looked to see if there are these ones. We've got all the strawbiscus ones. Should have brought the bad cola. Yeah, like like we are all learners and teachers. I think you know it's it's very mutual. It's a a lot around mutual um, benefits. Like we all bring and take. Yeah, Yeah, Um, language definitely one accessible language. Um, 
You put me. You put me on. That's right. This is the point where it will flash up on screen. Yeah. So if we. Ed's going to edit this later. Space like that. That's where the values will be added later. It's like asking to pop for the ten. Added values. Yeah. No, but I think it is. It's really interesting. Like working with you to produce the drinks as well, because you always come with unique challenges or different requests or artistic. Well, a bit more artistic license. I mean, it always it's always good to keep us on our toes, and I think I think that's one of the great things about making the drinks uh, or having our drinks factories. We can be a little bit flexible, and we can work with you. So it's nice to have. It's nice to be challenged um, because you can. We get very focused on just doing what we do, and then you know we speak with you guys, and you're just like, we've got this new thing that we're doing. It's like we're going to be doing this, and then you've got to develop the drink, and then we're bringing it in, and then stuff starts arriving, and it is it is way more organised. Like it's so much more organised <laughs> than it used to be. No earwigs anymore, yeah, um, which is no. great. Um, but like that whole that whole process um, and that creativity and energy is amazing, and it's so really, it's really nice to kind of work with you on that. I think it sort of brings a lot of flavor and character to our place when we're doing those drinks yeah i think also that's that's super mutual like i think we really really appreciate working with you like if you wouldn't make our drinks not sure because it's actually really important that the drinks taste good yeah because mm. it can be a social enterprise like lovely idea love the idea lovely community and then imagine someone opens a bottle and goes like this is awful. <laughs> so it really helps if the drinks are also really good. And I mean, that's what you gave to us, you know, first of all, to respond to our weird requests of, <laughs> we have sour Brexit and not wheat, <laughs> not wheat lemonade. Um, but also turn whatever we brought into a flavor where people not only thought, oh, this is a lovely idea, but also said, oh, this is really good. friend of ours Kate Rich um, and she reverse engineered the uh, coke recipe um, so she can actually do it in a workshop format we, mm -hmm. we thought that that's great to just talk about soft drinks and policies around like how are drinks like what are those drinks you know mm -hmm. sugar and water basically and some flavor so she has a workshop where with teenagers young people you can literally make cola from scratch and we did this under very kind of health and safety, hygiene, um, like in local libraries and worked. <laughs> but we made the cola together and it was less about going picking locally, but it was about understanding the soft drinks industry. Mm. And it's amazing how cola, I mean, you make it now by once you mix all the essential oils you've got the flavor in the room and then you add all the bad <laughs> sugar caffeine blah, blah. but that's how we started like to just also make a very popular drink so it wasn't just like wholesome fruity cold. and then we branded it together in a workshop at studio three in barking mm. dagenham and everybody thought the ad was just hilarious <laughs> it's just a really good name for cola but cola is 
cola is bad you know there's no, no way of going around we're like oh cola is really good for you no, it but so it has this double meaning yeah um, and it's the, it's a drink that we kept kept making and now you took over the making of it yeah yeah i've been playing about with the scientific drill and <laughs> the, the, um, the oils and i've also been working on making like natural versions of it so instead of using Very oils cool. just mm. using like an actual orange and an actual lemon yeah. kind of doing that with the kids and they seem to love that side of it so you can make something <laughs> in your kitchen like a kitchen version of that kind yeah of yeah, it's also like really demystifying it. It's like, oh, yeah. it's all cordial. Like cordial is a bit like making a cup of tea. You know, you infuse <laughs> stuff in water and sugar. So it's also demystifying this whole idea of craft drinks and sophistication. Yeah, I think the cool thing about making cola as well is it, it's like a science experiment because you're, you're <laughs> oh, there with like a drill and like mixing these things and you've got oils and you have to get them into a liquid form so how do you do that i think that's really fun yeah. and kate rich even had a garden so we could carbonate it on site nice so very cool i know didn't you do fun science i yeah so when i was at uni my like student job was going into schools <laughs> and teaching kids how to make ice cream with liquid nitrogen which obviously is cool because it's really cold so you get to do loads of things like demonstrating how cold it is by putting a rose into the canister of liquid nitrogen and then shattering it on a table because that's what happens. Yeah. And then you get to make ice cream instantly, which who isn't going to enjoy doing that? Yeah. I think the, the idea of taking it and demystifying it's kind of cool as well because I think we learned by doing and mm -hmm. as, as we kind of built our company, none, none of our processes are really mysterious and there is a lot of... Um, talk about like the secret ingredient locked in a vault and that's the, where the value is and actually I think that's a really poor kind of value isn't it I mean like the, it's all a secret I think the idea of having transparency and the idea of having um, like teaching people about process and like celebrating process and where things come from and knowledge about that is really cool and especially I think that's how it's, it's how I got into food was um, I, I joined a, a community group in North London and we would go we were kind of going uh, harvesting apples in people's gardens mm -hmm. and taking them to a park and we reduced we juiced these apples in a Finsbury Park and uh, it was amazing you know we've got like a, just a wooden cider press and someone came up and um, they'd just been to KFC and their kids were drinking some Pepsi out of a, a cup and we were juicing apples and the apple juice was going down the wooden press and into a, a cup and we gave it um, to the to the to the kids and the mother said oh is, isn't that a bit dirty like it's going mm. in the wood and it's going in the cup and I'm just like you're drinking cola <laughs> and like you're questioning the apple juice and I was like right this is there's something interesting going on here you know I think we need to engage people about food a little bit more and teach them about how all of this works because I think there's a lot people don't know and, and yeah, yeah. you know I was kind of really intrigued by that so I think you're you're a lot more connected to that maybe you've got more experiences yeah, of no, that type the, of thing with the bad cola the same because people are like oh so have you listed all your ingredients and you're like well has coca-cola listed all the <laughs> ingredients you know they haven't because they're like put weird numbers so, <laughs> and then we had this very cool um, chem uh, chemistry teacher and in, 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 he was like let's bring the colas to a chemistry lab and test them and they tested them on all sorts of ingredients like starch okay and it was most of the kind of commercial colas and it was like why is that in there and where is it on the label so it's actually quite fun to then also like re reverse the process and say this is actually quite clean you know even if it's not made at 
<laughs> the biggest yeah. stainless steel factory. This is actually much cleaner and healthier and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that almost shocked me when we started doing Square Root is the number of things you can get away with not putting on the label because you call it yeah. a process aid. Uh, and natural, starch is probably one of those things. Natural flavoring. Yeah, is, natural flavorings like as well. For so many sins. And you get yeah. away with a lot now. Yeah. If you go to a food tech fair and you, you ask them for what whatever challenge you've got commercially, they will find you a very interesting chemical solution that can be a natural flavoring or like a functional uh. ingredient. So it's like if you see something that says natural flavoring, it's code for literally anything. It's in, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's also you know it's kind of cool. There's like someone somewhere is is taking isolates of very natural things to create a compound that can be used for functions. You know, but it's a whole industry. I think with the black currants we clean from the farms that also deliver to this big brand. Yeah. That that difference in flavor is just amazing, no? Like mm. the fresh black currant flavor. Like everybody goes like, why doesn't the big brand tastes like that. <laughs> We're going to flash the big brand up on the screen so you know. Have to bleep out the other ones because we dropped some names in other podcasts. And I mean, maybe we want a lawsuit. I don't think we do, but um, everybody will know. I think uh, I think it's probably about process, and I think it's something that we're quite passionate about. Is like is process is important, and you can choose your process dependent on what result you want. So whether you're interested in. Uh, cost efficiency or whether you're interested in flavor or whether you're interested in environmental sensitivity really there's a process for everyone right and i think it depends it sort of feeds back to the values you're talking about what value you want to build into yeah. the product yeah. yeah is going to change how you work with your process that's a very good point because for the first few years we thought we can make money from the drinks mm. you know it's about process like how do we but then i think because we didn't we costed it a million times and we would have had to streamline everything around production and we decided now we actually want to focus on community mm. that's why we never fully commercialized the drinks because then the process wouldn't allow us to make space for all those things that we actually want to do yeah like oh yeah we've made eight bottles of cherry blossom cordial <laughs> not, not, not really a good commercial idea <laughs> but a lot of fun <laughs> So we have one of the drinks we made last year on the table. How did this one come about? Yeah. And there's going to be some horrible continuity issues now because yeah. these guys are all poor so and drunk. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that bit again because we've already opened the drinks and I can't point that out. Um, we had that on tape anyway. Yeah, that's on tape. Great. How, how did that one come about? So part of some of the processes of company drinks was instead of creating... Um, workshops and getting funding for different projects and then trying to get people interested was trying to then go to the community and find out what they wanted so we decided to bring that to the drinks and create kind of like a community collaboration so it's not just us thinking our oh, bad cola and it's like <laughs> a great idea for a drink but we also want, wanted to kind of bring back other people's kind of ideas and cultures because it's like a multicultural area that we live in. It's yeah. not just East London. It's not just what kind of hops that grow in Ken. Mm. And it, it's not just um, kind of local people that grew up around that area live there and, and take part in the drinks picking days. Mm. So the plan was that we would get a group of people together and find out about their history, what kind of brought memories back for them, you know, like what brought them back to childhood. Yeah. And kind of as a group, we come up with a few different flavours 
and hibiscus, I think. We, we did some tea tasting, didn't we, and kind of tried the flavours in the teas and then decided the hibiscus was like a very popular one and then um, thinking about seasons, didn't we, we thought we'd kind of add the strawberry to mix that with like a kind of seasonal summer drink. Nice. And it's low sugar, it has less mm. calories than a cucumber. <laughs> Which you can't really buy very much now anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. you can't get cucumbers. Have one of drink. these. <laughs> also, shall we mention Sean? Robin. Uh, Robin. Robin. Oh yeah, yeah, there's many Robins. There's Robin, Robin, and there's Robin the graphic designer, and there's Robin the drinks. Yeah, yeah this project has three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we almost did have three Robins on the bottle <laughs> as part of the graphic. <laughs> But Robin, he's a professional. Yeah, so Robin Honhold, he approached us um, and was looking to um, kind of share some of his knowledge and kind of support uh, an organisation like ours um, and offered to help us kind of come up with a, a few different recipes for some of the drinks that we've got, including the straw biscuits. So he went away with the two flavours um, and played about with a, a few versions of it. And uh, we picked this one. It was kind of the, the best. That, um, it's such a good flavour, isn't it? Yeah, I really like huh? it. I really, really this like it. This make it big. <laughs> this is the commercial one. I was, I, I think I, this is the commercial on one. Yeah. So the idea around it was kind of a bit of a healthier drink, something that maybe diabetics kind of get more access to and it wasn't kind of so high in sugar. So we chose to, instead of putting sugar into it, just to use the fruit sugar instead. Um, so it's sweetened with grape and strawberry. Nice. Very cool. So that was last year's drink. What are your plans for this year? Which we haven't met about yet, so you can tell me now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the secret. <laughs> I mean, this year what's nice, it's the, I think the fifth time we do a collaborative drink. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get approached from other organisations like, oh, can you make a drink with us? But then we're like, well, we can help you make your own drink. So that's in Manchester this year. Very cool. So we work with the Whitworth Gallery and they have a communi community garden. It's going to be part of the Whitworth uh, Manchester Festival. Mm -hmm. And I think that's quite nice that over the years there's quite a lot of friends who go like, oh, let's make a drink together and then it becomes their drink. And there's a Italian version of company drinks called Comunità <laughs> And again, that was colleagues who said, oh, this is a nice idea to make community by making drinks together. Can we have it? And we're like, of course you can have the idea. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's happening this year. And then next year is the 10th anniversary and we can't talk about the special plans <laughs> yet. <laughs> because they don't exist. Yeah. I was going to say, you got to keep us on our toes. Yeah. So this question is maybe not as good for you as it has been for other guests because you can do this whenever you want. But if you could make any flavour of soda, what flavour would you make? Very good question. It's a tough question to ask people that make drinks, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, on scale, there's lots of, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in foraging, you know, so, like, there's a lot of things that I, I would like to play with. There is... Oh, I can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese knotweed was always one. Um, hogweed seeds. I've always wanted to kind of create, like, a kind of burnt orange yeah. drink from the hogweed seeds. Um but obviously you need a lot of them. Yeah, but that's really interesting <laughs> flavour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would probably be my go-to one. Hogweed seed, burnt orange, citrus. 
we still got B-Cam rolling. Right? <laughs> yeah. B-Cam's been rolling. It's a bit of a weird dance. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit late here. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> what do you do? What's your weird dance? I'm just looking at you doing weird dance. <laughs> That's your weird dance. It's judgment. Yeah. Interesting. Judgment. Guys at home, what's your weird dance? Write it down. Send us comments for next time. Cool. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Have you got the weird dance out now? <laughs> yeah. We've all got to get very serious again now. Again, people are like, one, that's when I'm in between. In the in-between, yeah. All right. So we're obviously going to share everything in the podcast description, being professional podcast-making people now. But how, how can people find you after listening to this podcast? Because they're obviously going to want to. Uh, so best place is our website. So that's companydrinks.info. Nice. Um, but we also on social media, um, uh, Instagram, we are going picking, um, as well as Facebook is going picking as well. And Twitter. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for inviting us. us. <laughs> yeah. Working with us. <laughs> and now we cut to the outro music. We'll see you around. <laughs> Everybody do their weird dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. <laughs>